Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Heavy Hole. I'm Tom. I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. I'm Justin, a.k.a. Travis. <laughs> I, um, I don't like him. <laughs> Damn, Travis, watch out, man. <laughs> we got beef right off the top, Heavy Hole Podcast. That's Thanks good. to the round table, Travis. Yeah, you want the smoke, Travis? Come get us. I'm glad you don't like something right off the bat. Yeah, the hatred. This podcast is it's starting slow for the amount of hatred that's going to pour out of us. This is like the pink slime in Ghostbusters 2 right here. Just like Justin just we all listened to a lot of stuff that got us worked up and we didn't want to we didn't we didn't want you know we didn't want to deal with it and now it's coming out and hatred for our friends and Dude, this I'm is fuming right now. It's yeah. going to be straight bird box. We're all going to kill ourselves. Yeah, Justin <laughs> chill, bro. What the fuck? Hold me back. Yeah, man. Oh, shout to Travis, all right? Damn. Shout to Travis, you try. All right. All right, let's well, let's, uh, let's rein it in a little bit. What's going on, Tom? Yeah, how's how's the weekends for everyone? Let's, uh, <laughs> how's that going? Let's start my, off on a nice note. Oh uh, man, my weekend was kind of crazy, man. I was dealing with crazy people Saturday night. I was a designated driver. Oh yeah, yeah. We for we what? we did a buckshot facelift show in Staten Island. It was a benefit show for the pinups for pits, uh, uh, Mosh for pits uh, charity, where the you know the money goes to help these uh, you know pit bulls that they're rehabilitating and all that. Oh, that's awesome. It was a great show, man. We had a real good time. Locus Mortis played. Thetis played. Eye of the uh, Eye of the Destroyer played. Um, Hagenty played. Um, who, who who didn't I say, man? I missed somebody. Uh, did I say Locus Mortis? Yep, great right. band by the All way. Right. They they played twice in my memory, man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, yeah, a bunch of great bands played. It was, it was a good time, man. And um, who put that show on? Uh, the Moss for Pits uh, charity That's organization. Great. It was great and um, good time. My drummer Fergus got really drunk, exceptionally drunk, and so did Tyler uh, from Torturous Inception and Splattered Entrails. Shout to those guys, knowing I was driving them home. Uh, they gave me gas money. They were total drunken assholes. In the back of my car and all that, man. And um, Tyler, I'm dropping him off first. Totally missed the exit on the highway. Had to sidetrack off a different exit, drop him off, man. I'm, I'm Now it's late, man. I've been running all day. I'm trying to get home. Big Sal, I drop him off. I, I got to wake him up. He's all drunk, snoring in the, in the passenger side. We unload his drums. He's like tripping over himself. And I finally get out of there. It's like 2.30 in the morning. I'm driving home. I'm about 15 minutes out from his house, which is about halfway home to where I live. And I got a phone call from him. <laughs> He's all drunk. He's like, "Will, you gotta come back. I left something in your Jeep. Will, you gotta come." I, I you know, I'm, pre- I was pretty angry. I was, I wasn't as polite. But I, you know, I said, "All right, I'll be right back." You know, and um. I go. I finally get back there, and he's he's tearing my jeep up. He's like like a cop would for drugs or something, because he's all drunk. And I'm like, your bag is what? What is what is what is this bag? What are you missing? I thought it was like some drum equipment or so. I don't know what it is. It was a bag with like hair gel and deodorant and shit. <laughs> and, <laughs> but but here's the here's the thing. We didn't find it in my jeep. We found it. <clears throat> he found it in with the stuff he brought in. <laughs> so i was i was very angry uh, you know i very but shout to fergus man he was drunk next time i'm the drunk guy and one of those guys has to drive me they're in for it i'm not gonna be bashful about it next time put so, jello over your car yeah that was my big weekend man and uh and that was all man a couple other things man but uh but that, that's all that, that transpired man what about you guys man we did something pretty fun on saturday night too we went and saw a, a film yeah, uh, a brand new film. A, a film that some of you listeners may have heard of. It's called Lords of Chaos. Say word. And uh, I never heard of black metal, so I didn't know anything going into it. I heard you uh, you hail Satan in public. and uh, Well, after the movie. After the popcorn. 
after the popcorn. After the popcorn, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I had my my uh, I was doing my devil horns for the yeah, first time in public. You were looking to hell a cab, but all you could do was hell a Satan. Hell, hell a Satan. Yeah, let's talk about the movie. Sure. Just for the record, I did not see it. No, Will uh, refused to see it. Well, so- I refused is a strong word, but I had a show uh, that I was going to. I'm not particularly interested in the movie. Oh, well, it's but uh, go on. You know. It's good. I found out Macaulay Culkin has a brother. <laughs> Which is great, like an, an M. Night Shyamalan-esque twist to the movie. Yeah. I think you're watching Macaulay Culkin the whole time, and it's, it's his brother. We know, most of our listeners know the story that is Lords of Chaos. It's about the uh, second wave of black metal and the stupid teenagers that brought this f- to the forefront. And, uh, my God, was it just riddled with bullshit the he whole time. <laughs> he did a number on it, for sure. Yeah. Uh. Um, yeah, it was basically just like a teen drama with uh, there were some good comedy elements. I did laugh at times, which I, I thought yeah. was good. That um, the director, who is the original drummer of Bathory, I'm blanking on his name at the moment. Uh, he's directed some good shit before. Spun. He also does a bunch of Madonna music videos. Oh yeah, and he does Lady Gaga music videos. <laughs> he gets up there. He gets. You know, the dude gets. But he he's been working on this film for a long time, and I gotta say, it wasn't worth it. Behemoth has sick music videos. They do. Does he do, does he do <laughs> Behemoth's videos? No, that's all I could add to the conversation. Behemoth has great music videos. I, uh, that's, uh, Nine Inch Nails has a good one. Yeah. Um, Overall, so, it was upsetting. <laughs> I think the funniest part about it is the kid that played Varg was Jewish. So outside of that... And he's really mad about that, too. Well, Varg's just mad about anything. Yeah. You know, he plays it cool. He makes a board game now that he's out of jail. What can touch him now? Oh, it's like, yeah, he does like a role-playing game. Yeah. That's, uh, I think it's allegedly has like, kind of like, I guess, white, white nationalist or uh, some Mm. sort of race, racist uh, overtones to it. Allegedly. I don't know what the whole story is. I haven't done the research myself. Uh, You know, this, this whole topic, the Norwegian black metal scene, I enjoy some of the music that came out of that movement. Mm. To be honest with you, I enjoy a lot more of those bands, early death metal material before they changed into that Norwegian black metal sound like soul side journey by dark tones. One of my all time favorite albums. It's very interesting. If you hear that album, knowing it came out before Transylvania, Hunger and um, fuck, what's the other one? I, I just I'm just blanking on the name. Shit, you know it's the one with the black and white album cover. I I'd have to look at the book because <laughs> I, mean, I well, they're all that. that I'm, I've never joke. been the black metal guy. I have a lot of friends that I you know are more into that scene and knowledgeable than me. I did read the Lords of Chaos book in the '90s when it first came out, and it seemed like it was a little bit more of a of a at least a journalistic oral history interview type of thing than what whatever this movie is 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 uh, about. I, you know, again, man, I've always been more of a death metal grindcore guy than a black metal guy. And when it comes to like a lot of the the extreme ideologies behind this stuff, I, you know, I'm more I'm I'm a metalhead. I love to listen to music. I love to be part of the scene and and you know the camaraderie and the community of it, man. I'm I'm not so much. I, I'm not the guy that's going to follow everybody into the woods with the occultism and all that stuff, man. I you know I respect people for their art and what they're about and their beliefs, but that whole wave of black metal. It's it's kind of been exploited to a meme at this point. It, definitely. You know, yeah, and, and, sure. and But back to the movie, I just want to wrap it up real quick. with For, for someone who's into that stuff, I think it's an abysmal movie. But for someone who doesn't know anything about it, it's like an okay movie at best. I'm... I'm waiting for Wes Anderson to come out with a new film. Oh. I'm a big fan of his work. Dude, Isle of Dogs. Here we go. It's about hey, islands man. of dogs. Come on. Hey, at, the very, at the very least, maybe this movie will uh, introduce a world that normies don't know about. Well, you know what would be interesting? If this movie came out in a Twilight Zone episode in which Williamsburg didn't exist, I think it would do really well. It would create a new Williamsburg. Right, but it, Williamsburg is already there. 
Yeah. We don't need any more of that. Death Haven exists already. They're already ruining shit. It's shout fine. out to Death Haven. Um, I, I would like to not co-sign that shout out. <laughs> That's all. We can move on. Yeah, yeah. All right. Shout let's, out to Oathbreaker. Let's get into the episode here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. uh, before I call my lawyer, Bing Bong. Oh wait, I think you I just segued. I think I just segued. All right, he done it. Nice. He did it. I can't believe it. All right, so tonight we're gonna be. What's going on here is that each of us has an album that's not considered to be the band's of choice best album. Yeah, albums that may have been um, at the time they were released a little controversial with traditional fans uh, of the of the band who like their older albums. Uh, Maybe uh, allegedly sellout albums or uh, albums where stylistically they they made some leaps and bounds that uh, their older fans didn't appreciate, you know. So we're just gonna. And, and I would like to put this out there: the possibility of selling out. Now, there's nothing less metal than selling out, but at the same time, it doesn't really matter. It does suck to watch a pander happen. Mm. Well, here's the thing: there's a fine line. Yeah, exactly. Between selling, or I like to call it buying in, mm-hmm. right? Mm. I like to call it buying in. There's a fine line between experimenting or a maturing ear, you know, as as it's put. Uh, different sounds that seem to be more uh, palatable to a to a broader audience, and selling the fuck out. Right. Difference between selling out and buying in. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you say you say the term sellout, right? <clears throat> I mean, if you just play grindcore for years and years you know and even like anti-capitalistic anti-corporate grindcore and then all of a sudden your record label is dealing with a corporate distributor and you deliberately are changing elements of your music to please a bigger audience and pander to to that i mean that's uh, that's where the negativity comes with the with the with the term sellout you right. know what i mean and we're trying yeah, to get yeah. to the bottom of who is the guiltiest of this at yeah. the moment yeah, yeah. That, yeah i think that's like the theme of the evening well i mean i mean at, at the moment we want to, <laughs> at the moment it's a very crazy environment in the scene but we're talking about some stuff that's a little bit older at least right oh yeah yeah no we're yeah. we're doing it um for, with time considered for each album we're talking sure, yeah. about okay all right, all right. so uh context let's, is key exactly so we'll we'll tell you what albums we'll be talking about i'll jump right in Hmm. I'm going to be talking about Carcass's release, Swan Song. Mm. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into more. Will, what are you bringing in? Uh, Napalm Death's Diatribes album. Mm. Uh, Justin? I'm talking about Cryptopsy's The Unspoken King. Oh, man. <sighs> For all you neckbeards out there, you probably just turn this podcast off. But we're going yeah, we're, we're to make cases for these, and we're going to see who's the worst and who, who maybe gets a pass, yeah, who, if any. We're going to drop sentences. Everybody. everybody, <laughs> I'm throwing the book at everybody who tonight. Who gets five to life? I had to listen who gets to, community service? I had to listen to all three of these albums between last night and today. I'm ready to throw the hammer on everybody, all right? <laughs> yeah. It's all just disgusting. Will, why don't you start up with a few minutes of diatribes? We're going to do uh, opening statements and closing statements. All right, well, Napalm Death's Diatribes album came out on Earache Records in 1996. Um, it, it had the, uh, one of the later lineups, but still a classic lineup. Barney Greenway on vocals, obviously. Shane Ember, your boy. Mitch Harris on guitar. Uh, I want to preface this by saying respectfully, uh, rest in peace to Jesse Pintado, who played guitar on that album. Jesse Pintado, also of Terrorizer. And Danny Herrera on drums, uh, who I will go on to make a case for being one of the uh, saving graces of this album that was uh, kind of a displeasure to fans when it arrived. I would say so. Now, 
Now, not my favorite Napalm Death album. I do, however, enjoy Fear, Emptiness, Despair, which came out in 1994 preceding this album and was a departure from traditional grindcore. Sure. It was more of their death metal album, and for fans of Barney Greenway's older band Benediction, Fear, Emptiness, Despair was actually kind of like a welcome death metal trip for Napalm Death, right? Mm. Then they came out with this album. Now... If if you read that book, uh, Choosing Death, uh, what was it? Choosing Death: The Improbable History of Death Metal and Grindcore. They describe in great detail how Earache Records was de- was dealing with bigger, more corporate distributors, and that might have affected some of the bands who were all clamoring to be the first big death metal band. Whether or not the band members, the artists themselves, or the the kind of the, the quote unquote suits were more responsible for this. A lot of these bands came out with. Um, Mediocre albums. <laughs> I'll just say, like, I'm sorry, man. A lot of these bands went from being brutal innovators in the scene to kind of pandering to wider audiences right around the same time. And Diatribes um, is is definitely guilty of that in some regards. But I'm going to... What I want to do here is I want to reduce the sentence from uh, The Chair to, to Life in Jail. Because this is admittedly not a grindcore album. This is not a death metal album. But it is... In some regards, a proto-sludge hardcore album with influences ranging from New York hardcore, such as Sick of It All, to Crowbar, to Godflesh. It even bears similarity to uh, Sepultura's Chaos AD album, Obituary, and Machine Head. All right? All right. That is very nice of you. Yeah. Now, admitted problems. We're going to be upfront and honest right here. My client is um, no stranger. To, uh, to, to to harsh reviews in this album and, and uh, unpleased fans. I'm sure the touring that went along with this album, there was a couple of guys burning Napalm Death shirts, you know, uh, <laughs> trying not to burn their mohawks and their, and their crusty locks in the parking lot. Of course. But this was a very progressive album, and in this day and age where sludgy, hardcore-influenced metal is, is uh, on the rise, even in the underground scene, I think there was a lot of forward-thinking ideas here, all right? But one problem, admittedly, also is the groove beat all the time all over the album in my head while I went to sleep last night <laughs> come on man I get it alright in the words of uh, Duke from Malicious Hate in the 90s uh, in um, Grimoire of Exalted Deeds uh, zine referred to this album as double bassy death metal bullshit you know that's the thing though is we're looking through this we're looking at this album through the eyes of uh, grindcore and death metal fans who were extremely disappointed in the direction the band went but I think if you look at it in today's climate today's scene you can see something um, again somewhat progressive now I'm going to go on a little bit of a uh, talking about the tracks I won't get there's like 12 songs I'm not going to talk about each one but I want to give you maybe like a, a guide right now the first song The Greed Killing skip okay it, you know, the, they made the video for it with the guys in the suits looking down on them. It's a metaphor for what they were going through in the time. Sure. Get get out, get over yourselves and stop with the that. Come on, man. I don't like that beat. Now, we get into song two. Once you skip, though, you get Glimpse into Genocide, which is, you got you can't look at this as a grindcore band slowing it down and trying to groove it out. You got to look at this as a hardcore album in a lot of ways. Uh, it's like a driving hardcore beat turns into a sludgy stomp, then a weird, clean melodic riff with some atmosphere kind of alternates with something else going on. Not normal for Napalm Death. I can see why people were frowning on it, but come on. Now, here's another thing where you really start to see drummer Danny Herrera. I almost picture maybe like a guy from A&R sitting him down in a suit, you know, like like some champagne, Mr. Herrera from Napalm Death, you know, whatever. And, and like these blast beats, I, what you know? What are you doing? You know what I mean? Too many notes. Yeah. Now, Danny, <laughs> you see a lot of really impressive tom rolls 
and fills tight, tight as balls all over the album, man. And I almost picture like these are where he would have put the blast beats. And he lends a certain amount of intensity. I picture him kind of doing what he had to do. I'm picturing a band in the vice, right? Because there, this was a contentious period. Uh, Barney Greenway, the vocalist, left after this album for, for a certain period of time, if I'm not mistaken. And this is where he performed on the album Damage 381 with Extreme Noise Terror. So that shows that my clients were remorseful for their actions and provided community service to the grindcore scene by, by Barney appearing on an Extreme Noise Terror album. That was not a bad Extreme Noise Terror album. It was a good grindcore album, to be honest with you. All right, well, I'm going to cross-examine that later. <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough. All right, you know, we move along with the album, though. Uh, you know, we go right for the breaking, which is, you know, there's, there's an impressive, again, impressive drum work. Drummer Danny Herrera, you know, holding it down. Uh, you start to see some grindcore elements come out. Now, th this is the other thing about this album. A lot of people, when this first came out, and I wouldn't blame them, might have been uh, inclined to pr press skip on the tracks. Because a lot of these opening riffs, they're just going with this, uh, to quote Duke again, double bassy death metal bullshit. And I feel like they were hiding grindcore songs behind riffs on this album. I have a conspiracy theory about Napalm Death's diatribes that I'd like to uh, reveal for the ladies and gentlemen of the jury here. Of course. All right. It is my opinion that Napalm Death wrote a grindcore album for diatribes and then slowed certain parts down and hid certain grind parts behind like a minute or two of, of groovy stuff for the label. Because some, there's a lot of songs on here where if you listen past a minute or two of boring stuff, you get the blast beats and you get like a glimpse of the Napalm Death you once knew. And that, and that speaks to intention. They did not have the intention to come out with this album. They were put. They were put in a corner by uh, the corporations and the capitalists that they, that they once spoke out against. Yes, Napalm Death in the mid '90s was set up by capitalists and corporations as a takedown. That's what they call their album when they came back. Enemy of the music business. Thank you. Bing bong. Wow. Damn. All right. Wow. That, that's a. Wow. That's a uh, interesting point. But let's skip ahead to song number four, "Curse to Crawl." You listen to this, at first glimpse, it seems like, oh, they really softened out. He's kind of yelling a little spoken word thing. They're going back to Black Flag. They're going back to New York hardcore. They're going back to 80s, 90s hardcore punk sounds, spoken word. Uh, they're really trying to get a message out with this one. See, the thing is, Fear, Emptiness, Despair is my personal favorite from this weird era of theirs because it's death metal. This album, you really got to look for the New York hardcore influence, the punk rock influence, and some of the stuff they were doing that even sounds like mid to late 90s. I don't want to use the, the MC metal core word, but more of that dissonant screamo kind of stuff that was going on, all right? Love that stuff. Uh, <laughs> that's what we got. This is a very diverse podcast with our interests, all right? But look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right now to song five, Cold Forgiveness, which is one of the standouts uh, of this album that uh, a lot of people who might try to find a saving grace here will go to because it's not like Napalm Death at all. It's a slow-moving, proto-sludge doom song almost in the vein of crowbar it's it's dark uh it, it has a, a couple of su somewhat melodic movements to it it's 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 you know it's but it's not too it's not too much to it it's napalm death riding it right so then you got uh song six my own worst enemy i believe this is kind of like the standout punk hardcore song it's uh you know again drummer danny herrera with the impressive tom phil work where blast by blast beats might have been uh you know <laughs> we we don't you know we don't know what cigarette man from x files did with the blast beats oh but, wow all right <laughs> then you go to Just Rewards, song seven, has more of a rock Nirvana uh, vibe and even kind of a Godflesh tone because and I think the Godflesh vibe you get from some of these riffs on this particular song is from, again, drummer Danny Herrera trying to be as aggressive as possible without using those blast beats, perhaps beyond a certain quota that was allowed for him. There, is a, there, is, there is a, a primal quota. push there that would substitute 
a blast beat for a layman. And there had to have been a quota. Yeah, and then, all right, look, we got, you know, uh, number eight, Dogma, kind of a mid-paced hardcore monster, you know. Number nine, we got the song Take the Strain. Admittedly, I'm going to say, uh, you know, my client admits this is the most problematic song on the whole album, um, but it was spaced all the way down to song number nine. It wasn't used for the video, and it was not used for the single. The song harkens back to Mudvayne, Corn. It begins with a pop right into a jump part. Um, legions of teenagers pogoing at a, a, a Lollapalooza or something. Uh, is the problem? That, okay, <laughs> there is no redemption for this song. Um, I, I have reached out to my clients and asked them to reissue this album, lacking this song, but they have not gotten back to me yet. Uh, that's on the table. But we're going to skip ahead, all right? The, the 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 10th song the title track diatribes and this is where we talked to our like the single was not this corn song the take the strain i my notes even say lol um i'm sorry that song all right take the strain was the one it's a compelling case i got so far I, number yeah. 10 shout out to corn so they right, the title track diatribes they named the album after it's another reasonable grind hardcore song which is hidden behind a long boring groove riff that should have been a blast and i feel like they almost did this with the title track to be a metaphor for the whole album because they had to put those groovy parts in there or uh cigarette smoking man was going to kidnap their mom right it was crazy it's a good take away the 90s their, their like that happened yeah. i saw it on tv um, you know, then, then, honestly, for me, the real gold is in song number 11, Placate, Sedate, Eradicate. This is a driving, kind of uh, paced headbanger, uh, similar to well, similar to Machine Head, but it's got that great late 90s dissonant hardcore breakdown in it too, man, and it's it's a real catchy song. This probably should have been the lead-off single because I think it could have pleased a little bit of people from both sides of the fence without being on on, um, on either one wholly. And then you got song 12, Corrosive Elements, fucking stop with the buddha buddha bat buddha buddha bat bat come on. What was that Enough. again? The corrosive elements, the last song, man. It, you know, again with the with the groovy beat. Groovy. But all right, so you know, kick. I'm just trying to lay out for you that my clients were put in a very tough position by their record label um, at an awkward point in in music in general, especially for extreme music, and they were caught up by forces beyond their control. And they have since redeemed themselves in the grindcore community. Several albums later, the wealth of the the amount of material that my clients have put out. Since uh, Inside the Torn Apart, arguably the last album from this this weird period in the 90s, uh, they've put out more brutal grindcore material since then than they did during that whole period. They have redeemed themselves. I rest my case. Interesting. Quite interesting. That's a great case you've built there, but we're going to have to move along to see who's actually going to get the pass on this. Bing bong. Got you, Barney. You guys are good. Crush you, 
want to let this these demons worship right now. Okay, you're listening to the opening track from <clears throat> the album in question. So th- this album gets a lot of undeserving hate. But to truly understand why this album was so poo-pooed, you have to understand how infected or ripe for the burrowing fans of Lord Worm are. The original singer of Cryptopsy. Exhibit A. His, his, you know, undoubtedly unique vocal style displayed on the landmark 1996 album, None So Vile, along with, and don't forget him, ridiculous drummer Flo Manier and lead guitarist John Lavoisier. I'm going to say Lavoisier. That's fine. Okay. I'm not sure how to pronounce it either. It's Lava- like Cavassier. This is an American court. Uh, so, pass, uh, pass the Cavassier. You know, uh, that, that album solidified Cryptopsy's place uh, as, as death metal heavy hitters in, in the early 90s or, or mid-90s. Uh, but, but Lord Worms, Husk and Howls, and Unique Appetite for, for Dirt Crawlers at shows uh, were factors in contributing to Cryptopsy's rise in the 90s, right? So uh, add his charming good looks and his massive dom. And and metalheads fell in love with him. His mastery of the English language, if you look at his lyrics. English teacher. We'll get to that later. Wow. Laid those permanent eggs in the brains of all Cryptopsy fans, or as I like to call them, the Cryptopsy Posse. <laughs> I, you just made me want pasta real big. Cryptopsy Pasta. <laughs> so, for me, I don't really get the worm love. I'm not a worm guy. Lord Worm, I don't care. That's a whack opinion, but that's fine. Yeah, this seems somewhat subjective in a case. Let me lay out the facts for you. Okay, no, I'll let you continue. I'm not stopping you. Fact number one, none so vile is fantastic. Fact number two, he can't keep time. Fact number three, he sounds like shit. Fact number four, he's the poor man's King Diamond. Objection. Overrule. (laughs) Yeah, what's your objection? Uh, he wasn't concerned with keeping time, um, which is a, which is a terrible thing to, to, to not have a concern about. Well, hold on, uh, it compliments the drums because one of the one of the defining characteristics and honestly one of the biggest selling points to death metal fans on Cryptopsy is Flo's drumming, which is uh, obviously inhuman and phenomenal, but it's it's very organic and it's and it's very free flowing and it's uh, it's it's rife with. Um, not mistakes, but uh, just just those natural sounds that happen, and it's honestly, to be honest, it's one of the reasons why people don't like this album. If we're going to be real, because it sounds like somebody programmed a drum machine to sound like Flo with the triggers. Flo Manier is a drum machine, and he carried Lord Worm throughout his entire career in crypto. Objection! Wow. So. Objection! <laughs> Objection! That's that's a so, whack opinion. That that opinion is totally whack. Now this opinion. Whether it be whack or not, I'm yeah. not going to rule. Okay. I, how does this tie into the album that you're talking I'm about? I'm glad you asked, Tom, because I'm about to get there. Are we even going to talk about this album, or are we just going to so, trash Lord Worm all day? What the fuck is going on here? I got two and a half more pages of Lord Worm trashing. This, we, can, we can put this to the side, then. This really all comes down to why this album got shit on so much, is... is because they made a because they made a all right. Cryptops and Curious are butthurt that Lord Worm wasn't thrown up on this record in a, in, in a bad time. Objection. So their musical factors beyond the vocals. Now uh, let's right, consider. Let's look at at, at the uh, <clears throat> the unspoken thing. So I, I see this album, you know, more in the context of when it was released than necessarily the band that released it. I think the band that released it is icing on the cake. So if, if you look at the context in, in 2008. Uh, you had a you had a growing uh, uh, mass of bands, uh, especially coming out of Canada, uh, that were experimenting with with combining grindcore, death metal, and hardcore. 
Uh, you had bands like Despised Icon, like Eye on Dissonance, like Beneath the Massacre. And, and they seem to be catching on with like a younger crowd. And if, if for not, you know, the very least, like introducing younger kids into uh, the, like their influences. Like, yeah, when like you, I, when you, when you can't pick up a woman, you go to the high school. I get it. The fuck? One. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Can't hang with the big boys, right? It's true. Yeah. When go, you go, have back, a, go back to school. When your singer throws up on all of your well-produced records for so long, sometimes you got to try something different. And that's what I feel like the unspoken thing is. So I feel like this is Cryptopsy finally growing up, dropping the worms and being like, it's like, okay, kids, you know, the dads are home. We see all, we see all you, you people doing things. And, and the, the, the bands I mentioned before, all from Quebec, you know, all, all Canadian boys. Uh, <clears throat> So we just listened to "Worship Your Demons," which I think is 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 probably one of the best opening tracks uh, to any Cryptopsy record uh, ever. It, it's it's fast, it's quick, it's super tech, groovy, very catchy. Um, it's it, it, you know it stays in your head. Breakdowns it has, which I think are very like you know very necessary for the time that they were doing this in. Uh, and you got and if you have to look at the goal and the, and, and the context, like they're you know they are. I'm going to say. And don't at me. They're old men in the kids' game right here. So, right. <clears throat> okay. So, who, who was even in the band? <laughs> in this band? Who was even in the band? It's ha- half men and half kids. Was it the old guy? It was ha- yeah, you're right. It was half men. But but the name. And there was a, <laughs> was there was like, there was a woman on this album woman. too. There she played keyboards. Yeah. Yeah. So they weren't all men. In, well, she was only in the band for about three months. Objection. Okay. They weren't all old. They weren't all men. Yeah, that's but, true. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sustained. 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 But the name, look at the name. You 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 want to you want to be a young band? You start a new name, but they didn't. Kept the old name. Let's keep going. So, the next few songs they roll in. Uh, the Headsman, Silence Your Tyrants. I feel like these are old. These are these are Whisper uh, Supremacy type Cryptopsy songs, man. These are the instrumentally these songs are tight and fucking fast, and some of the fastest shit they've ever put out. The difference between this record and the rest of the Cryptopsy uh, catalog, I feel like, you know, and this record was self-produced, is is you can hear everything a little bit better, man. I feel like you can, you, you really get a full sense of the musicianship of what's going on. And if for nothing less, it serves as a beautiful vehicle for Flo Monnier's drums, you know, who is, who is truly the shining star of, of this band, in my opinion. Things really get interesting on the track Bemoan the Martyr, which was actually like, so it was the first track of this band, uh, uh, it was the promo track that they put out. Uh, and it's the one that really caused all the butts to hurt. Uh, the introduction, or the the, <clears throat> the the debut of uh, the new vocalist Matt McGat McGatchy, uh, his clean vocal style. Um, this you know th- this track kind of opens up with a uh, uh, a kind of like weird alt like tesseract style type thing, doing a little deftones kind of thing into these like really like uh, chordy kind of choruses and. To be honest, man, I think his voice is beautiful. And this man is all, to man, and this is all on a cryptopsy album you're describing. Yeah, sir. man to man, I think this is. Be- about, yeah, you're, just, you're describing a, you're describing a, a, an album by the death metal band Cryptopsy, sir. I sure am. Okay, right, thank you. I think this album. Because, should, should, I think I, I, I believe I think this album. May I interject? I believe um, this album should have swapped names with Blasphemy Made Flesh. Hmm. Do I've done there? Like it? You're cooling me down, man. I'm hot over here. I know. I see it. <laughs> hot over Real here. Boiling. Thought that coffee was hot. Over, yo, shout, yo, yo, all my people, all my Lord Worm people, hold me down right now. Shout, a, I got you. It's a great thing 
that Cryptopsy introduced all these clean vocals in this record. It is too because they showed their true colors. They showed, they showed a willingness to 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 to, to experiment, to take chances that so many death metal bands do not do. They stay in their little hole and they stay there. More death metal bands should uh, be influenced by Mudvayne and Glassjaw. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to Mudvayne. Shout out to Glassjaw. I would, uh, I would, yeah, so, I would like know, to not co-sign either of those shows. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you go on with the Bomo and the Marta track. You know, it might not be some people's cup of tea, but I, you know, I think I think the band does some really good work. There's some great, like, uh, some uh, death prog riffs in there, uh, and it all kind of all kind of like flows together in a really nice way, man. And and to to the most negative thing you can say about this album, you know, this album runs for about 47 minutes. About six of those minutes are clean singing. And the rest of it is is fucking just good, like newer style cryptopsy. You know, you, you think of where this band was, and like I said before, context is key. You know, uh, trying to um, trying to play to that that newer market of, uh, of of death metal listeners. You know, core, if you will, the death core style. You know, uh, uh, led led by a lot of those uh, Montreal bands, and um, you know, playing the Summer Slaughter tours as they were starting, and and really exposing a a, a newer, younger generation to to the name Cryptopsy and, and the gravitas that true, that has true. and 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 letting them uh, you know open the doors to 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 their past catalog and whatnot and I think I think this is a great entry you know gateway metal drug uh, album um, to where you know if 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 maybe you know the the good cop bad cop kind of like Jekyll and Hyde vocal you know vocal styling of singing and screaming isn't isn't your cup of tea you can kind of oh, find something else that's not as good or you can just you know, go back in the Cryptopsis catalog and see what's going on. But I think, I think the meat and potatoes of what made that band is still prevalent throughout this record. Um, the technicality, the spasticness, the um, the originality. You know, and and even to all the younger bands that were doing this sort of thing at the time, like when Cryptopsy does does a you know like a, a blast riff into into a sort of like sludgy ish kind of breakdown type thing or anything, they do it in a very Cryptopsy way. And, uh, and it's sort of undeniable. You mentioned Summer Slaughter. Yeah. They, they recently did Summer Slaughter, I think it was two years ago, maybe three years ago. They mm-hmm. came through Vitus. Uh, do, you, do you remember what album they were playing in its entirety? <clears throat> None so vile. Yeah, and um, they that also... Was, that, they was, al- that was not a Summer Slaughter tour. That oh, was what, what was a regular it? tour. That was their... They, they, were doing so a, they were doing a headlining tour. I love None So Vile. In a... Uh, uh, I believe it was a 25-year anniversary. Regard, regard, whatever... Uh, whoever sponsored the tour, my mistake... But uh, did, now, did they after this album? Did they continue to explore that style? Um, no, I don't think so. What 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 did they do after that? Um, they kind of went back to the roots a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. And do they continue to play songs from this album live? I haven't seen them live in a little bit, but I, I you know, if if uh, if they don't, bemoaning the martyr is not on there. Just ask, well, I would have wished. I would have wished. Just, just asking. Just asking. Just um, just asking. That's all. You know, like well, which show? I'm just asking you if they continue to play this material live. Well, I'm not in their practice space, and I mean, I saw them about two years ago when they played "None So Vile" in its entirety, and the the, the three new songs. I believe I don't believe they covered any material from this album. They did. I was at that show with you, and they they played "Worship Your Demons," the opening track of this album. Okay, fair enough. The fair best enough. opening track, which okay. which does not follow suit with the complaints that other people had. How that how that track came out with a single. It does stay truer to a cryptopsy roots, but we're talking about the album in this is part its entirety. Of, this is part of my point. I feel like a lot of the criticism of this album came before the album was released. That you know, the 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 
I how heard, different I heard, that I, that single track was. Uh, you know, people don't like change. You know, people just don't. No matter how sweet and beautiful it might be. You know, no matter how just like godlike that man's vocals are. How you know, many, how it just how, tickles your ears. How many al- was this the album right after Nunsilvile? No. How many albums came between this and Nunsilvile? I believe two. Three, there was a live album in there. So you think it was kind of a delayed effect? Well, that, well that, they did. None So Vile came, and then, they, and then they had Whisper. And you think people stayed with them for Whisper, then, stayed with them for the live and album, then Worm, and then dropped off and for then this Worm, album because Worm they missed Lord Worm? And then Word came back and shit the bed, and then either was kicked out or left. I believe and he left. They, and, the band says he was kicked out. He says he left for health reasons. So you think Ooh. after all that... That this album was the reason fans dropped off, or or you think, or do you think it was just another declining step in the legacy? I don't know if I don't know what the percentage point. of fans dropping off are. I would assume that a lot of Cryptopsy fans probably dropped off after this record because of you know the change. Like you know, it was it was, it was a huge change for what Cryptopsy was doing, but for the way that that popular heavy like sort of touring marketable. You know, drawing crowds music was going at this time. I think they were kind of like playing towards that. And in a way, it's more buying in than selling out. Because I, I think they, they I think they did it very well. More and so than like than say Napalm Death would do like a crowbar or like a helmet type thing uh, and do it in a you know well, this not is, as good of a way as they were doing. I this think isn't, this isn't a well. competition between the albums here, sir. So you're not, supposed yeah. to be defending your album and not degrading the legacy of Lord <laughs> Worm, who did not even appear on your album. <laughs> But re- regardless, here uh, I have one more thing about Lord Worm. All right, well, watch out for no, Will. No, 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 <laughs> Will's gonna pop your tires. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on. I just would like to point something out. We're listening to a point in the song uh, in this album. I don't know the name of this. Yeah, track. I believe this is okay. this is the Bemoan the Martyr track. Well, look, yeah, you, this is that you, first you, single now, and this is like, mm-hmm. yeah, th- this is Tesseract, not as good as Tesseract was. And if people knew about Tesseract in 2008. Maybe the whole gent thing would have turned out differently, but well, that might also be a bad word to you too. Well, I mean, no, this this is. I just want to make a point here. You're talking about how it uh, it might have been ahead of its time for the gent subgenre. Um, it Not cryptops. It was very in line. All right. Well, I mean, all these are just, your, the, just that the vocal is very Australian at that one all, point. All these opinions that you just gave are, are your own. You're a fan of this album, obviously. Yeah. And you yourself are uh, an admitted um, uh, a deathcore fan. Uh, I like death metal and hardcore mixed in a very nice way. Yeah, I, and you're very into deathcore from the early 2000s, correct? I love deathcore from the early 2000s. And these are all your opinions about this album, sir. Yeah, my main one. I rest being, my um, case. Thank you. Main one. <laughs> <laughs> my main opinion. Before you continue, sure. Uh, I would like to, to point out that you have brought up some good points, but also Will did a subjective nature that you're putting forth about this. Now, at the same time, you can't escape a subject, oh. su- subjective sure, nature. Sure, yeah, okay. But we are talking about, like, essentially a departure from the band's original driving intent. So, with that, to what, keep in mind... Well, who's to say what the band's original driving intent is? Well, if the band created this album, and they put their names on it, this was the band's intent. No, not, Nobody all, was, not all original members' names are on this album, not, and those are the people involved in the original intent when the band first then started. Then they should have stayed in the band. Interesting. But, 
I will say this: yes. the, the, it, nobody, nobody left the band because this album sounded the way it did. No, everybody but was but, willing but you're, participants. You're, in but you're, actually, he, the band self-produced. That's not what he's record. talking. He's making the case that people that people went away from it because it's not in line with what the band originally intended. Fans, did. It, well, I mean, but no, I think it, maybe point, it's, it's the way that people intended the band to sound. But I think the band intended to sound like this at the time they sounded like it. I look at this as like the time it came out. I think, and then looking at the the past catalog. The musicians, musicianship quality on this record, to me, mm. surpasses that of any uh, any other record they put out. Interesting. Now you can say you can say what you want about about songwriting, about composition. You can say what you want about vocal style. You can say what you want about production. If if I had one if I had one critique of this album was that it lacked the certain push pull that 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 past Cryptopsy records had. It lacked the uh, the sort of uh, building of tension and releasing that. You know. I feel like uh, you could say this is a little mechanical in its, in its writing. You know what? When we come back to the album again on closing statements, I'd like to ask you a bunch of questions. But um, overall, do you, do you want to say anything else before we move along? Yeah, I'm not a fan of Lord Worm at all. And I'm glad he's not on this record. And I'm glad I got to review this record because it fucking rips. All right. Fair enough. Well, I'm, I'm just kind of angry. And <laughs> I mean, you, you personally, you, you did personally attack me as a, as a Cryptopsy Lord Worm fan. Throughout the entire review, I'm sorry you feel personally attacked, but yeah, I mean, you got you like like saying everyone's butt hurt. I mean, it's pretty because like I think like, it's fairly. Well, no, it's if anybody, fairly if anybody has heard about it, anybody has a problem with this album, then it's because they're mad that Lord Worm left. That's I, like that's like a, just a, an excuse. It's I don't like think a, it's the it's only, like cheap defense. I think it's my it's my main argument. It's it's might not be the only reason. Yeah. I, you you could you could you know like I said you could say that like it's a bit too mechanical. Or that the writing's not as loose, you know, as as, as past uh, Cryptopsy records were, or it didn't have it didn't have that tension, that urgency, you know, that sort of like like there's a there's a true like uh, like relentless like push to, to pass Cryptopsy records that this doesn't really have. This is a bit I more think, I think it's a y- bit more clinical to it. I think your butt hurt that people who like brutal cryptic death metal that comes from the heart don't uh, look at this album in such a clinical fashion. Yeah, that's totally fine with me. I think it's a great Cryptopsy record. I think you're a dick. <laughs> I I like. I honestly, I can appreciate a lot of the songwriting. I can appreciate a lot of the talent on this album. And if it wasn't Cryptopsy, if it was done under a different name, I would have been able to uh, digest it a lot better. Yeah. But the problem for me is that it was ru- further ruining the legacy of, of the band in a lot of ways for me. I mean... Well, I look at the history know, of this band and, and, and the amount of people that came out against Whisper Supremacy because it wasn't Lord Worm singing... Like it ties directly into why a lot of people didn't like this new guy singing as well. I think like it, you just look at like and sure there are but there are musical differences in each record. They they have different audio qualities for sure. And I think that what you were saying before, how this sounds mechanical, um, it doesn't have the feel of cryptopsy stuff. Now, if you're gonna take this album <clears throat> out of that discography, I I'm not even gonna I wouldn't call it a bad album. I would just say it's not for me. Yeah, yeah. Just the way it sounds like. But since it's very mechanical and stuff, one thing that also has to be looked at, if you're going to talk about... Um, That's over with. We'll shake hands. <laughs> when it comes to the Lord Worm thing, Lord Worm left the band before Whispered Supremacy. And people who are really into Lord Worm, even though they didn't like Mike DeSalvo doing vocals on Whisper, mm-hmm. he still kept some of the audience because Lord Worm was... Public about he approved him. approving yeah, he approved him. him. Yep. 
That's it was great. a very, very different thing. So that's it's, something else to be considered. You yeah. can't compare it because the leaving of Lord Worm from one album to another is different. It's it's almost like brand commitment in a way. And I don't know if it's bad. I I'm a Lord Worm fan. Love it. Yeah. But he's a childhood hero of mine. Yeah. And you're not into him. That's fine. I'm you like a, what you like. My personal opinion is that I'm not a Lord Worm fan. While I appreciate the work that he's done, and he's definitely to be respected. I'm respected? Not, <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of his. You res- you respected him in this podcast? Yeah, I love. <laughs> I think None So Vile is a great I missed that record. part. All right. All right. Well, either way, let's listen a little bit more of this. We'll move along. Yeah, I'll talk about my album. You guys ready to rock and roll? All right, all right, <laughs> all right. So, can, can we just me and Justin just hugged it out outside? Not mad at you. Love you, bud. I love you, man. Got a little tight for all my Lord Worm fans out there. You know, I got a little tight. But let's let's get into it. What do we got here? This is all about making arguments here. Oh boy. So, I have an argument. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard this album before, but uh, I'll be talking about Carcass's Swan Song. Yep. Done that. Yeah, they, right. they put that out. That happened. Yeah, that, that, that did happen. Plastic was used. Was so, put in stores. So not only not only am I going to be talking about this album, but I'm going to talk about it truthfully in many ways that you may have not considered. To be honest with you, this album sucks. <laughs> but I'm going <laughs> to... What do you mean? But I'm going to convince you right now that this album deserves a pass in its entirety. Now, every song, you guys were covering songs. Well, I'm not here to cover a song. I'm here to cover an album. The first point I'd like to make is Heartwork, the album before this one, 1993 Carcass release, that was a tremendous departure from the qualities they displayed in Reek of Putrefaction, and we got Symphonies of Sickness and Necroticism. Necroticism itself was a big departure from the Symphonies and Reek days. Right, so we yeah. have we have a uh, you know, symphonies reek. They're very much just grindcore albums. They're solid grind albums. They love were it. Absolutely breaking boundaries at the time. Great memories of those albums. I want to bring up Heartwork, which is between Necroticism and the album in question. This band didn't just make an artistic jump overnight to put up numbers with Swan Song. If you listen to Heartwork and Swan Song, you'd find yourself kind of in the same realm. There's a Venn diagram of a listenership. And if you just showed someone Heartwork and Swan Song, you might go, those bands are pretty similar. Possibly the same band. This is not a far departure. 
I'm, with that, we have a lead up. I'm not a fan of hard work. So. I'm sticking up for the band's integrity okay. and the intention of the album. As I said before, this album does suck. So, unlike your albums, Carcass chose to leave their more influential, top-heavy label to sign to Earache before they were with Columbia Sony. Did you guys know that? That's a big label. I'm pretty yeah. sure Earache put out their, their older albums. They did. But yeah. when they put out Heartwork, they were not on Earache. But wasn't that Columbia deal like ear, earache through Columbia? Like Columbia was distributing and everything. For the, if, if you look at that book, Choosing Death, Columbia had a deal with earache at that time. Earache made a deal with Columbia to release music. So they lot. were they were actually it wasn't just the distribution deal. So they made the jump and then they made the jump back. That's right. Okay. Which so they made the jump into the mainstream and then weren't mainstream enough and came back with a more mainstream album. Well, in a way, the the confidence they had that people would accept them no matter what just kind of proves itself there. If you're going to jump from Earache, go to a more commercial label, do Heartwork, and then really, really get into something such as the sad song that is Swan Song, you'll find yourself with a band that made a conscious decision to go back to a smaller label with less funding to put behind the marketing of it. Therefore, it's got to be honest. Mm, I would argue that maybe they tried to make the jump with, with Heartwork, didn't work out the way they planned, they got kicked back to the smaller label, and they were still floundering trying to make a commercial album. They all these leftover songs maybe want to be a big fish in a small pond kind of thing, but it backfired. Well, they had the option to continue with Swan Song from Heartwork on the label, but they decided to jump back. So perhaps maybe, something I mean, that, wasn't working with the, uh, as they, you said it, yeah. the uh, the Marlboro Man from... from maybe they're uh, greedy and wanted all that money. They want to be their own Marlboro Man. Yeah, I don't know if that speaks to the integrity of the band more than just like business and financial decisions and, and you know, things like that. But Promotion we, they were getting, being a, being a small fish in the in the big pond and, or being Earache's biggest band. You know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if that... Sounds selfish, the whole thing. Well, you can't say that that isn't the case. We're not there. I'm going to say as someone representing this album... That the intention could very well be getting back to something newer, but also raw. Because this album is raw. Mm -hmm. It's not a good one, but it's raw. Shh. This was a farewell album, allegedly. Old farewell, Bill farewell to the fans. What a good well, <laughs> <laughs> well, the old Billy Steer, Jeff Walker, and Ken Owen were ready to hang it up when they did this one. Okay. This was not trying to reach out to a newer, newer audience. This was, we're going to do something we want to do. We're going to do the, the rock and roll, i.e. death and roll mm -hmm. album that we want to do. We're going to cross our hearts and give it a go. That's right. So with that on the table, we can assume that they had no speculation of trying to continue getting on bigger tour packages or sell more records. They were trying to sell one and perhaps a, comp a few compilations afterwards. Is it a documented fact that they recorded this album under the impression that they were going to break up, or did they record it and then decide to break up? That I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like they that, recorded that, it. That could be an X factor right there. They might have recorded this album and then got uh, bad, you know, bad feedback or something, and then decided to break up. They might have recorded this album with every intention of going forward. Yeah, it sounds I mean, like I they wanted to play. No, I don't know. To play Wembley when they recorded this album because of the huge sound of it. They are English. Well, that is true. Bunch of English boys. So that's what everybody does over there, right? Yeah, just, you know, take over something else. Play Wembley, right? Come on. Everyone loves Wembley. So... I don't, what is that? I don't even... What is, rug, Sta rugby stadium. Stadium. Uh, Actually, the British Bulldog beat uh, Bret Hart for the Intercontinental Belt SummerSlam. That, that makes me more partial to that. Well, go ahead. Well... <laughs> Possibly speculating, but very leaning towards the fact that they were ready to call it quits anyway. Mm. And they did not need to appease anyone. 
They want to put out the album they want. They I'm had just, say like objection leading the witness right now. Well, that's not necessarily true. They had just lost their Overruled. powerhouse Kool-Aid colored hair guitar player Michael Amit to the true masters of selling out slash pop death slash burlesque act Arch Enemy. Got him. Ooh. So without this gentleman, perhaps it was ready. Slash to- burlesque. Yeah. Amazing. These dudes knew the dangers of selling out. They had first-hand contact with it. They, Not the intent here. Yeah. What that, year did this come out? This was 96. The same year as Diatribes. Same producer, incidentally, Colin Richardson. That is true. And nothing against the other, nothing against the other guitar player, I, Carlo. But, uh, you know, you did have this is gentleman. Is he in on it? Well, here's the thing. Uh, the wormhole on Colin Richardson goes deep. I looked into it. He was the producer... On diatribes, and he was the producer on Swan Song. He was uh, he produced Machine Head, but the list goes on. He produced Cannibal Corpse. He produced um, King Diamond, I think, at one point. He produced for a whole a whole bunch of people, man. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I kind of cleared him I, at first. At first, I thought it was very suspicious that he produced both albums, but the further mm-hmm. I looked, he also produced the Disincarnate album. He produced for Gore Guts. All right, this guy's just all over the place. But it could be that since he was producing Machine Head and he was in the mid '90s in that era. Maybe somebody at the maybe the cigarette smoking man from X Files went to him and said, "We need these bands to sound more commercial. What yeah. can you do for us, he Colin?" Could, he could be a Tower Records shell. I propose that the smoking man from X Files, who approached the very band that you were talking about, Will, with diatribes, Napalm Death, to get them more of a pop sound. Perhaps they didn't want to work with him. Maybe of they not. wanted. Nobody to go ever back. wants to work with. Well, him. maybe maybe they they took the step and did a bit of career suicide. In order to go back to Earache, a smaller company with smaller distribution than Columbia Sony, because they just wanted to make this album. I like a good conspiracy theory, but I don't know if that holds weight. I feel it does. It's my job. It, it, I mean, when you look at the lyrics. Before we get into lyrics, let's just get into some song names. Now, what doesn't scream fun than a Weird Al style comic genius version of Keep on Rocking in the Real World, such as Keep on Rotting in the Free World? Mm-hmm. Keep on rocking in the free world. Keep on, Keep on rotting, rotting in the, in the free, free world. world. Nothing, I, yeah. nothing screams more fun than that. One's more fun. Maybe this is a nod to the fact that we are not here to do anything for anyone. Deeply, we are not. We are under no one's thumb. Mm. Deeply rooted in uh, traditional English prose. There. Yeah. Masters. So we have other song titles. Uh, Generation Hexed, which Oof. makes you think. Wow. Maybe it goes a little deep for you. And we got lyrics. From Cross My Heart. Cross My Heart, come cross the line. Won't you be mine, my bloody Valentine? So we're dealing with all sorts of ranges of emotion, but every single song is just fun, fun, fun. Look at Death and Roll as it is. You're supposed to drink a beer, and you're supposed to be wearing the most leather vest you have. Several leather vests, uh, if you can, to the show. Carcass were uh, vegetarians or vegans, were they not? Well, that's I don't know if they would have been down with that. Well, it's about the rock and roll lifestyle that they're trying to portray in the rock and roll album that is the swan song. Hey, fans, drink enough beer so you forget the song you're listening to. Exactly. So they're having fun, and they're talking deep stuff, and they're avoiding a record label that maybe wanted to push them in directions that they didn't want to go. Maybe they were like, we're, let's have a little more slow down. Let's let's get into it. Let's let's use the crummy guitar tones that we like. Let's so, do so it. So what direction do you think Earache was pushing them in that they didn't like? Earache was pushing them in the assumed direction that Napalm Death assumed with diatribes. Okay, so the more groovy but still very heavy and aggressive style? They did not 
unfold to a pressure. This is an uh, intentional thing. Like they foresaw Guitar Hero and they wanted to be a, them to be on like the first level of it. Yeah, because like, that's going to be a great exposure for you, Carcass. Right. It's the progression that we have. We have the uh, we you have, have Carry we, we On have, My Wayward Son, and you have Cross My Heart. Right. Yeah. Heart work into this. It just kind of speaks. It's like a it's sure. like a Tony Hawk vert ramp. You can just kind of yeah, go up yeah. of it. You know, it's grinding. It's going from 50-50 grinds straight up. Yeah. And then you're you're hitting the vert, you start going up a bit and then 900. That's what they tried to do. Whether they got the 900, that's not the point of the album. It cuts right in the middle in midair. What I'm trying to say is that this is a smarter album that people give it credit for. It's basically the Rick and Morty of albums. Oh my god. Uh I don't I don't even know. I'm just shaking for the listeners, I've been shaking my head in disbelief for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, and I'm gonna pass it along now to open discussion. Please elaborate on the Rick and Morty of albums. Because please. it's smart, don't you understand, sir? They I'm have cultural, cultural references like break my heart. I mean cross my heart. Hope to die. That's 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 in the, the vernacular of English language already. We're familiar. We're cozy with it. We lo- we we know from being learners of the English language those three words. And that's about it. <laughs> exactly. It's a far cry from uh, songs like Genital Grinder from their first album. Well, maybe they were ready to not do that anymore. I guess so. And I'm not saying that that's the best move subjectively. <laughs> See, this, my, is, this is... It might always be a good now, move to, to move away from naming your songs Genital so, so Grinder you're saying, at some so, yeah, point so, in your career. What I'm trying to say is that what I'm doing here with this is defending it on not a subjective level whatsoever. Because this is a terrible album. Maybe it's an insanity plea. Huh. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. 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 Maybe it needs a little rehab as opposed to uh, time in jail. And wow. I hate to admit it, but didn't they recently come back with a fairly more uh, 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 integral album? To- yeah. Surgical Steel. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they took a break for a while because they did go bye-bye. And then okay. they came on back okay. in the mid uh, 2011, 2012, I believe that not, album was. Surgical even, Steel. Yeah, if it was even that long ago, yeah. The, admi- yeah. the advancements that have been made in our understanding of mental illness since the 90s. Very true. I mean, we might have to consider that, uh, what was going on with this album. So I'm going for an insanity play with this. This was all intentional. It's old. Bold all move. intentional. It's not good, but it doesn't mean any harm. Wow. So that's my argument for this awful, awful album. That is not to be ashamed of, but rather taken note of. So, so let's recap a little bit. So we have an insanity plea, mm. yes, with, with Carcass's album. We have there's a conspiracy, yeah, with Napalm, Napalm's diatribe, and, and with uh, with Cryptopsy, it's an I didn't do it. I'm innocent. Well, with with Cryptopsy, it was kind of like look over at that guy. I'm innocent. I didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. How, how, okay, so look over at Lord Worm though. Like he <laughs> he quit and he was really good. Maybe the glove fits him. Will, Diatribes. I feel like that album gets a lot of heat, but overall, it's not so bad of an album. I believe Cryptopsy in itself, as a band, was trying to stay more relevant, with MySpace falling out and Facebook just on the lead. They released the first single on MySpace. It's a huge tell. Exactly. They are trying to keep up with the internet, the multifaceted genre keep influences. Keep up with the internet. Right. Which Both- has nothing to do with past vocalists. But I will say this. My band has no idea what the fuck they're doing. Therefore, deserves a pass. Um, all right. I, I, I like Tom's defense, but I just can't buy that they weren't totally conscious of what they were doing and somehow trying to generate 
more income or a better bl- platform. Even if they thought the band was going to break up, some sort of better platform for themselves afterwards or something. It's just it's it's so in line with that wave of bands that all had a, a real weird patch in the 90s just when he already got that big corporate distribution. Everybody changed their logos to be more internet 90s. Well, when you told me about that Eric distribution thing, I did start to look into that a little bit, and their story just doesn't line up with it, even though the timing does. Mm-hmm. And it is a strange album to come out with that timing. So I'll give you that. But once I found out that they were actually already signed 100% to Sony Columbia and then went back to Eric, opted out. Now, they did come out with a lot of money on this one not just because the album sold well it's because they were so in bed with Sony and Columbia that they actually got some of the advance money on the production and then signed to Earache and managed to not pay Sony back at all how is that how did they do that well, I don't know the iffy jiffy. This whole thing could have been finessed by the the guys at Eric Records. Then I, I'm sorry, they would have gotten they, a cut. We of don't that know. For sure. We don't yeah. know enough about this transition to Sony Columbia and back to Eric. And now there's this this money that comes out of nowhere to finance the album that they don't have to pay back. That's not the act of an insane man. That's oh, maybe it was. That's a deeper conspiracy. Well, maybe if they were looking to move to Eric because they got the money and then they got they start getting the the faxes that said you your album's got to sound like this. It's got to cut like this. Look at my suit. It's got to do this. And maybe they're like, I can't do this anymore. But then Eric is like, Oh, Carcass, welcome back. We'll help you with this album. You know who the victims are? Who? All of us. Yeah, the fans. The we're fans. all the victims. Fans. Yeah. Well, that uh, that would be the case with all three of the albums. Yeah. We're all the victims. We're all the victims here. I, I felt like a victim after I listened to all three of these albums yesterday. I mean, I really... Uh, all right, but all right, moving ahead. So a little closing statements, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Will, do you yeah. want to wanna talk about Diatribes a little bit more? Napalm Death's Diatribes album, obviously a departure from, from the grindcore that they're well known for and that they have since ret- returned to for several albums. Not even um, a good follow-up to Fear, Emptiness, Despair. They're, they're, they're great death metal, great, in my opinion, death metal album. But uh, in a lot of ways... <laughs> Ahead of its time, uh, in, a, in a lot of ways, a lot of good experimental, sludgy, uh, hardcore parts. If you really look at this album uh, through the eyes of um, uh, a, a, a band that was trying to produce a, a hardcore metal album under a lot of pressure from uh, the suits, so to speak, and 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 the the, the times, uh, you know, I I just I just got to give it to these guys for um, for for persevering through. For giving us uh, that na- extreme noise terror damage 381 album with Barney on it to try to um, you know make amends to the grindcore community mm. and to having since produced uh, more material in their discography um, that outweighs this this time period. Um, you know, I, I I definitely do not think my client deserves the full sentence that could be handed down, which is life. But yeah, which is which is life uh, as a whack band. Right. I, I I think they've already redeemed themselves to society and as I said to the grindcore community and if you look back at this album in today's uh ter- t- today's terms of what's going on in sludge and hardcore you can even see that they were maybe ahead of the curve in thinking about some things and 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 honestly Danny Herrera the drummer uh I think he's guilty by association here. I think he wanted to make this a good album, brutal album. His hands were tied. He had to do like these crazy tom fills with cymbal accents instead of blast beats. That's the most interesting part C- about it. Though. Cigarette smoking yeah. man might be his like you know that you know how they have that like cigarette smoking man was the guy's father and all that. And he was yeah. There might oh. be some. He might be blackmailing him. I don't know what happened. That's true. Yeah. Mm. All right. But you know, I, I definitely think these guys were caught up in something a lot bigger than than themselves. 
They were trying to get out. Look at the video for the greed killing. It's right out of the X-Files. It it's says on, it all. It's mm. all in the video. Yeah. All right, Justin, a closing statement on the Unspoken King. Sure, yeah. Uh, Unspoken King, man. It was, um, you know, a, a, a cryptopsy uh, under new leadership, you know, so to speak. Uh, a departure from their uh, tried and true, you know, uh, experimental sort of you know values as a, as a true death metal band. Kind of like their later midlife crisis, you know, mm. buying a brand new Corvette, fit in with the kids a little bit. Um, you know, worked some, ex- you know, in some respects, not so much in other respects. Uh, gained some new fans while alienating, alienating some old fans. Uh, I feel like, you know, they, you know, maybe some community service, you know, we'll say sorry, a little slap on the wrist kind of thing. Don't do it again. Mm. You know, loosen up the reins, flow, and maybe, you know, Show some respect to, to what brought you to the to the to the show in the first place. Played none so vile in its entirety on tour. Yeah. Maybe we'll call it even. Maybe we'll call it even. Mm. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, the shit show that is Swan Song. I'm going with uh, just. Uh, we don't know what we're doing here. We lost it. We tried something and it got out of their hands. Led us to insanity. And Carcass has definitely come back very hard. Without any of this on their on their rep, they're touring now from time to time, and they're killing it. Surgical Steel is great. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, give them a pass on this. Crazy like a fox. Yes, me. Where's yeah. that advance money, huh? Yeah, well, Where where's the money? Follow they, the money. They, they really, spent it all on uh, dread, dreadlock talk- oil and dreadlock cream. We'll we'll talk to Bill Steer and Jeff Walker, and we'll uh, we'll try to get them on the show and see what happened. They spent it all not on. after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're never going to interview Cryptopsy or, or Carcass or Napalm Death after this episode. I think we will. I think yeah, they might like this. We absolutely will. <laughs> because show, yeah. well, show, show of us hands. the bone saws that you bought. Cr- show of Marcus, hands. Come on. We don't hate these bands. We're just talking about single albums. No, I, I actually love all three of these bands um, for yeah. other works that they've done, and I do. 100%. I do have respect for them. As you know, I'm, but you know, yeah, this is all in good fun and good faith. And as a, a the teenage fan in me, would definitely uh, got some cathartic out of this. You know, yeah. And every single one of these bands, not only are they good, they're important bands in this scene. Yeah, this of is, course. This is yeah. like you know, they they changed a lot of shit. Hundred percent. But come yeah, on, yeah. bands. You're, you're, you know, you're, like the most the the the, the god. Fathers of of grind, the the innovators of of speed, the mm-hmm. the, the the riders of the groove in a way. Sure, that carcass and stuff. You know, it's like every yeah, single one of these yeah. bands. They're not just just bands. They're really important bands in death metal. Otherwise, and, and we grind. wouldn't be sitting here discussing these albums if it didn't mean something. E- exactly. And respectfully, I, I feel like we kind of have license to just talk about bands like this because they're so we don't we don't affect them. It's like sitting here and going, yeah, what about Iron Maiden or what about Ario Speedwagon or somebody, man? Like they don't even think about us. They made their money. They're doing their thing. No, and you know what I mean. Like it's not like we're dragging an underground band through the mud or something, you know. No, and I hope if any of them hear this, uh, you know, don't. You know, I love baby. Well, I mean, you can take a shit on us. That would be great publicity. But yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> but just you know, relax, guys. Yeah. We love you. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be like random people on the internet that are going to hate us for this episode. Oh, I, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, if you have a, if you have someone you ever fought over any, any one of these albums, please call in or or uh, you know, shoot us a Gmail. All right. So overall verdicts here. What's going on? Who gets a pass? Are we are we doing all th- each Should one get to? 
gives a judgment on all three albums. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's it's life or death. I had to listen. You're either yeah. thumbs up, you're, thumbs down. You're either put. Oh, we're just doing like Caesar style. Oh my God, this right. is harsh. We just showed so much love. Yeah. Now no, we're gonna I'm cut. Now we're gonna drop. Is the you get to live in jail forever. This is America, people. Come on, we gotta we gotta have sentences. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's life or or death. You're you're fucking done. You get the lethal injection after 25 years of state penitentiary. Yeah. Or it's uh, you just hang out and rot to death because we didn't write the albums. What about your insanity plea? They can't go yeah, to the. What the... about that? How about in my a... insanity plea gets a life within a the proper institution? Right. But you can't kill the insane. Life's cruel. Life until death. Okay, so let's yeah. go. Let's go then. All right, thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> all right, we'll up? start with mine because I I all right so. Thumbs up, life. Thumbs up, you're dead. Uh, thumbs up. <laughs> thumbs down. Away. Thumbs uh, up, know. life. Thumbs down, you're dead. All right, thumbs throw some down, thumbs in. Dead. Let's go. Big Caesar style. Uh, I got cock, a thumb up. You got. Th- I, you know what? I, it's so bad, it's good. I'm putting the thumbs up. I lived. I, I can't send someone who has, there's a potential chance that they uh, have a mental illness to, to, to death. That's they were out of their wits. Touch, that's th- touch thumbs. All right, that's three ups. All, all right, right, all right. All right. I did my job. I feel a little I dirty for that. I feel dirty for that, and I feel like you tricked me into that with that insanity, please. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, yeah that's a good true. lawyer. It's a good uh, lawyer. That's right. All right, you got it. All right, unspoken well, king. Mm. Tops, regardless of what I said. All right, <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing a thumbs up. I'm also going to give a thumbs up. It's a valiant effort. I, I got to represent for all my people because all my people listening to this podcast right now know I got to do, do the thumbs down for all Lord right. Worm. So that's a, you know, for all the old school death metal heads. If I, I couldn't show my face at a show at St. Vitus if I did the other thing. Understandable. <laughs> Understandable. All right. So I'll see you at St. Vitus next weekend. So that's uh, <laughs> two up, one down. All right. Diatribes. Diatribes. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it the thumbs down. All right. Oh, uh, man, I'm going on. clean sweep. Thumbs up. Yeah, me Everything. too. I'm Fear doing thumbs up. Yeah. So I'm the only one that thumbs down either. Any <laughs> Respect all oh, these man. bands. Look, Dude, in all, all, in all honesty, The Unspoken King, when I did listen to it yesterday, and that's <clears> the first time I ever really listened to it and digested it. I might have heard the single when it came out. But, um, you know, I, I can, trying to be objective with this podcast, it's taught me to be a little more objective when I listen to things and all that, man. It's been a good, good experience. I, I appreciate the music on that album i appreciate some of the more like progressive parts and what they were trying to do i just felt it shouldn't have been cryptops i gave thumbs down to two of them and the only one i gave a thumbs up to was because i felt guilty because you made the, the insanity, the insanity plea. that's yeah. that's my job here so i'm you ready to one as a lawyer i don't like my client I, i'm I too old for this shit i'll deep six anything right now i'm come on I'm <laughs> he's fit. got this druggy beach <laughs> lawyer look going on yeah like, it's like a, a lawyer with a hawaiian shirt come on <laughs> i got a haircut for this episode i went in I went in with with all my lawyer know how, which is just a lot of uh, slaw and order, as we talked. <laughs> yeah, like Cole slaw and order. Yeah, all but, right. uh, yeah, they're they're awful albums, and uh, I'm glad that anyone listened to this. Yeah, we would encourage anyone listening to this to hit us on the uh, the Twitter or um, Instagram mm-hmm. or Facebook with your horrible albums by by good bands, or uh, if you disagree with something we said on this podcast, don't threaten us. Just, yeah. just, just let us know what you think. Yeah, let us know. I'll read any hate mail. By the way, yeah, please you know. do. Yeah, all the hate mail. But speaking of mail, I want to. So we're gonna do albums. But before we tap into that, dun, dun. Uh, we did have a, a listener write in, gentleman by the name of Kent Mulcahy. Kent Mulcahy. Shout Kent to Kent. Mulcahy. Yeah. Uh, What's up, Kent? Cool dude. He wrote in. He asked me a couple questions. We were talking for a little bit, and then I asked him about some albums. So he uh, he shot a couple my way. One was the Ascended Dead album that we covered a little while ago. Yes. And then the other one uh, I had never heard of, so I want to share that with you. So this is a listener 
Listener, we need a name for this. It's a listener request. Listener suggestion. suggestion. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's a better. Yeah. I, what's funny, Tom? I didn't know you were going to do this. I got a listener suggestion too. Oh, wow. great! No, no, no. wow. It's getting crazy out there. Thank Packed you. Thank, house. Thanks to everybody who's been listening. We're, we go on a delay where you don't hear episodes for a few weeks, usually until after we record them. But uh, thanks to you know, we're kind of early in the game here. Everybody's been listening. You know, sending us uh, your feedback. We really appreciate it, man. Kent sent this one in. And this is the band Repulsive Dissection. Ooh, mm-hmm. I, know, I know this. You know them? Sick I, shit. This actually was the first time I came across this, but uh, yeah, I really, I really dug it. Uh, it's, it's techy. It, it's fast. It's disgusting. It, the vocals are just kind of murky and very slam-ish in a way. But this band plays real fast, so that's a nice. The word ping comes to mind. Yes. Wow. Shout out to Paulo Paguntalan, friend of the show. Yes. What was that, episode six? Uh, episode seven. 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 Yeah. Episode seven. Paulo Paguntalan, the ping. This band would definitely fit that that uh, the category. Definitely. Yeah, and this is their, their album, Church of Five Precious Wounds, 2015 release. This band has members from all over Europe, one notable member being Dave Bilia, <clears throat> excuse me, or, or also known as Brutal Dave. Yeah. Who plays in the band Beheaded, yeah. Hour of Penance, and Septical Gorge, plus a whole more, a yeah. whole bunch more. Drummer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Disgusting yeah. drummer. I, I heard this when it first came out, um, and I was blown away by it. This was one of my favorite albums that came out this year, man. It's just so good, so guttural. The vocals are great, man. It's like it's technical, but it's not show-offy. It's, it's great, man. This is like right up there with, not, not that it sounds identical, but it does the same thing for me as like Defeated Sanity. My only gripe with this album, I'm just going to put it out there because overall I think this is a good one, but in the recording, I feel like the guitars are not tuned properly sometimes. You would have a ear for that more than me. I don't know if it's intentional or not. Guilty of that. Never intentional. It's still a good album. I'm not going to tell you not to listen to it, but one thing I did notice, and if you have a, like a, a keen ear for pitch, you might notice that at some points, but this is a brutal fucking album. Great performances by everyone. Yeah, vocals are great. Vocals oh, yeah. have kind of a Matty Way uh, guttural quality to them at some points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I really love this album. There's some cool samples. I think, if I remember correctly, this is like a very uh, strong anti-Christian, uh, anti-religious theme to this album. But it's mm. it's kind of articulated. Um, I think a, a little bit better. Like it's not just kind of like your your fuck Jesus deicide uh, typical type of death metal anti-Christian. Like it, like there was some very interesting samples and and the way the lyrics were presented. I. I uh, you know, not not necessarily. Um, you know, I, I don't go one way or the other with with religion, especially when it comes to representations in music. But I enjoyed the way that they presented it and uh, how they put it together. You know, it wasn't just kind of like when you throw an inverted cross on the cover and call it a day, like a lot of bands would do.
is based primarily and mainly upon fear. It is partly the... All right, well, you got a you got a new one slash listener suggestion for us. Yes, right? I do. I want to give a big shout out to listener Cody Hager or Hager. I hope I said your name right, brother. Cody Hager from Chicago uh, sent me a message saying he likes the show. Uh, he's gotten into some new stuff with what we what we're doing, uh, suggesting bands, and he suggested I check out Molder from Illinois, uh, Joliet, Illinois. Not Molder like X Files Molder, which would have been a crazy coincidence, but like mold that grows all over your bathtub. M O L D E R. We all hate mold. the Molder. Right. We hate Mulder which Love is a- the mold yeah right, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is I want to talk about their song Granulated Chunks that just came out a few days ago on their band camp they also have a uh, about one year old demo called An Act of Revenge a demo or a release they got CDs and tapes available um, but this song Granulated Chunks it's a song from their upcoming 2019 demo that's going to be called Necrobiome the opening riff is just really huge and classic, uh, classic old school style. The vocals are great. They're, the vocals are like really expressive and, and gross. They're somewhere between like Impetigo and Autopsy and maybe even King Fowley of Deceased. Very expressive, but still really growled and like classic thrash meets death metal era quality. There's a lot of kind of like old punk uh, catchiness, pulp, like punk rock kind of thrash style catchiness without sounding amateurish and 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 you know kind of childish man these guys got chops really just catchy headbanging riff based metal played with competency and written well um this would go great with frightmare machetazo ghoul the old razorback records right. roster it's it's uh, it's just really fun stuff without being too tongue-in-cheek and silly uh great band molder I, I i'm really glad that this dude uh cody got in touch and put me onto these guys apparently they're playing shows uh, around chicago so so watch for them man i hope these guys get out of state maybe record an album and do the whole thing one day man i love the name really yeah. sick now picture like some monster that just leaves mold like a trail of mold everywhere it goes or something yeah that's uh they need to make a 409 commercial with molder or yeah. the, the one who molds you know yeah oh yeah 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 but uh but yeah, uh, cool man yeah this is really great i mean there's just like this wave of old school bands nowadays it's hard to wade through but um uh these guys kind of hit it for me man i love the opening riff it's just fucking huge everything's real catchy Sticks in your sticks in your head. It's real easy to headbang too. I picture like a whole bunch of these young guys now with the patch vest banging their head front row. You know, at sure. Reggie's Rock Club for these guys. I love it. Hell yeah! Check out Molder. Yep, Chicago style baby. All right, Justin, what you got? Sure. Uh, so I got Brand of Sacrifice off of Unique Leader. Um, they got an EP that just came out. The Interstints? The Interstints? Yeah, the Interstice. Inter, inter yeah, it just came out in May 2018. Uh, this band, I can't stop listening to it. I don't know I don't know why, because they are so over the top, man. This band, like, kind of has every... I don't want to say this in a bad way, but like, you know, this is not really cliche, but they, they got every trick in the book, I feel like, in, in, in like what, uh, what modern tech, like, 
fucking tech death is doing right now, you know, a la Arc Spire and stuff like that. And like this, this band kind of also reminds me of uh, of an old, like one of the, one of the early Sumerian bands, Circle of Contempt. Yes. Um, so so yeah, man. I, I don't have I don't have much else to say about it. This band's still a little bit of a mystery to me, but I, but I, I you know I, I I turned it on today and I couldn't turn it off. But this band's got some heavy fucking shit going on. And wow. Oh. Yeah, I hear that. Interesting. So I, you know, I would say listeners like learn about this with me because I'm gonna be digging into this a little bit more. And I feel like this does have a lot of tropey stuff. Not exactly like what you were saying. Tropey is a good word. But at the same time, I'm kind of like hooked on this just because of all the, the the dynamic shifts and stuff that are happening. It's, it's very produced stuff, but I'm not against production nah, as long as it stands out. Exactly. This is this is it's very very well done, and it's like it's hypnotic in a way. It's like uh, it just makes you want to keep listening. Yeah, a lot of bands use this kind of production to fit in in a way. And and, and, and the, I feel like this is this is interesting the, because they're doing weird things with like whammies and stuff. Yeah, uh, like, you know, like the the, the Digitech whammy pedals. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very it's, interesting. It's not just like a wall of uh, sterile sounds. The writing style is like pummeling, man, because there's it, it, no like, there's uh, very little structure to it. You know what I mean? It's, when they drop those little part, video part. game synths just now, that's crazy to me. And uh, like, this is, I, I'm definitely going to explore this album. I think it's a it's a testament too of like that that new style of, uh, of technical death metal that Unique Leader has been seeking out and putting out. Uh, we've talked a little bit in the past about it. True, but there, yeah, but there's definitely something left with these guys. Yeah, these guys for sure. are. Guys are going a little haywire. Uh, there's something experimental about this. I I like it. Well, I think they're definitely there. You know, a lot of bands are trying to write old school brutal death metal songs and produce them in a mo- in a modern way, and that's why I think it falls flat for me sometimes because it loses uh, the experimentation of the new technology and the new era, and it also loses the the primitive raw like aspect of the old the old style metal. You know what I mean? Whereas this these guys seem like they're writing it. Knowing the capabilities that technology is going to give them, yeah. you know what I mean. And yeah. these guys are, like you said, there's there's a lot of bands with an emerging style that kind of do it in a mediocre way or in a half baked way. These guys might have kind of just might be to a fi- to a point where the, the right people have stumbled upon the right stuff at the right time, and these guys have made something really nice with it. Man, this is cool. I really got to explore this album. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. For sure, My new one for the evening is Mortal Wound, and this is their album Forms of Unreasoning Fear. Mm. Menacing name there. Uh, this was released August 24th, 2018 on Maggot Stomp Records. Now, I want to stop and talk about Maggot Stomp Records right now, because this is like a relatively new record label. I like the Cal- name a lot. Yeah, it's cool, right? Uh, 
like I said, relatively new. These uh, these guys haven't been out that long, but they've been putting out some really cool old school death metal stuff. Uh, real greasy shit. There was a few bands that I really dug off of their Bandcamp page, like Gutless, Church of Disgust, and Coffinized, and of course this pick here, Mortal Wound. So I kind of wanted to use this opportunity to drive on top of just checking out this album, but to check out this new record label called Maggot okay. Stomp. Uh, it's just cool stuff, man. Like this is. Uh, this particular album, very catchy, old-school death metal-style writing, but with atypical vocals for what we hear when it comes to the old-school death metal shit. Vocals sound like a, a vacuum cleaner, and I love it. Yeah, exactly. You don't really hear that kind of vocal on yeah, a uh, on an old-school yeah. death metal album, so I really liked what these guys did here. I'm getting a vibe here of kind of like bands that were from like Pennsylvania and upstate New York in the early 90s. I'm thinking of Rotrevor. Uh, and I'm thinking of Morpheus Descends. Just mm. real, like the vocals just have that, like someone just turned the furnace on. You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't even sound like a voice. It just, just lurches in. I, I did think of you when I was listening to this. I was like, I feel like this guy has a similar vocal approach to, to what you do. Well, and, I, uh, I take that as a compliment because I really enjoy hear, hearing what this guy's doing now. It, it's a compliment, and yeah. it's also uh, objectively just something that I want our listeners to look like listen for when they're listening <clears> to vocals because there's so many different styles that people do and it kind of does get lost in the mix sometimes mm-hmm. but i feel like uh yeah this is this is a great example of how a vocal could be textured on top of on top of music to give it a different feel mortal wound and, man and maggot stomp yeah maggot stomp it's Mag- not just a dance for slipknot fans whoa yeah. oh, <laughs> maggot stomp records it's record label too. shit to some old school shit. What do you have, Will? All right, man. Um, Since we talked a lot about great bands that put out albums we didn't enjoy so much, uh, I'm going to talk about a band band that's still a great band, but they've put out a lot of albums I didn't enjoy, but this is one of their albums I enjoy so much. It's one of my all-time favorite death metal albums. This is Mortification from Australia with their 1992 album Scrolls of the Megaloth. Um... This is uh, you could you could skip to the second track if you want, man. So we get the music going. Um, this is uh, I wouldn't say a controversial band, but they're kind of a unique novelty of a band with these early '90s uh, brutal death metal bands. They were um, very Christian uh, in theme and in lyrics. The um, the main guy who's kept the band going through all the years, bass player and singer uh, Steve Rowe. Uh, I guess he's a devout Christian, and he went to some sort of Bible school, which. Um, I, I, I've, I've, the story that I was told was that the guy went to Bible school and uh, wrote the lyrics based on that. This is like, you know, the lyrics are some sort of hardcore interpretation of the Bible, not so much like a, um, 
you know, like a hold hands Christian metalcore type of thing. Uh, this is this, you know, you could debate back the Christian anti-Christian thing in metal, but uh, this is such a solid album, and I think yeah, I don't think the that religious debate is. That's not really our forum. We're just no, about no, music. yeah. Well, it's like I said before when we were talking about you know the occult thing and the Satanism. I don't really follow a lot of bands with their religious beliefs. I, you know, I'm here for the metal and the music and the atmosphere. This is an awesome album. Um, it's really good. It's on par with like your early uh, death material. Um, you know, Pestilence, uh, Sinister, some of those classic old school bands from that era. There's a lot of elements of grindcore in here where they just break it down for you. The vocals have this choked bark that um, it doesn't sound like a lot of vocals. Later material by this band is, uh, you know, the vocals kind of got a different pitch to them. There was a period where the guy actually had, I believe it was throat cancer and recovered from that and went on to continue recording music and there's a marked difference in his vocals after that but uh, even people uh, who are fans of the instrumentation here especially bass players might get a lot out of this band even some of the albums I don't follow them on because they always stuck to a kind of a progressive thrash um, vibe throughout throughout their whole career I believe they're still putting out material today uh, again probably just the bass player Steve Rowe if I'm not mistaken um, but I, I've always loved this band I, I thought they approached the subject matter and the lyrics uh, in a great way it's not preachy and it and it um, I think it, it it treats the Bible with some of the the violence some of the um, the supernatural qualities mm. uh, and and some of the the raw uh, human nature uh, and human wisdom that that can be garnered from it um, as opposed to maybe just a watered down, preachy version of it that you get with other Christian themed bands. Well, this is even even like uh Iron Maiden talking about revelations a lot. Like mm-hmm. they they theatered it up. <clears throat> this is way more raw. Granted I can't understand the lyrics so much, but I can tell the approach isn't for exactly uh putting someone in Dungeons and Dragons land. Yeah, yeah, this is it, it, you know, and, and again, it's just a great technical death metal album from 1992, and it predates a lot of stuff, in my opinion, that will come out in the years to follow. These guys can hang with everybody. They put out an album, Post Momentary Affliction, a few years later that I do enjoy. It's a little cleaner, a little bit more uh, technical, and the vocals aren't as aggressive, but um, still a great death metal album. After that, they go into kind of like progressive thrash territory. They get a little lighter. There's there's a lot there's a lot of uh, musicianship and like well, you know you may have heard me use the term music school death metal before. Maybe it goes into that, but there's still something to be gained from this band. They're a great band. I, I've always loved Mortification Scrolls of the Megaloth and a couple of their albums. It's the type of thing where at least once a year I go through a phase where I, I, I listen to it in the car a lot and it's in regular rotation mm. um, you know there's there's kind of atmospheric moments with uh, say, you know samples in the beginning and stuff and it's it's it, it just sets a great atmosphere the songs are a little bit longer the riffs are a little bit more drawn out there's there's doom there's grind there's death metal it's it's you know it's not so fenced in it's it's a really good album mortification scrolls of the megaloth can't can't really uh, say much more about it than that you know except for the fact that I, I really was so interested in the way this guy approached the lyrics and everything that I ordered this CD online because I, I had the official release, this the uh, Nuclear Blast release many years ago. I don't know what happened to it. I tore my collection apart and I ordered this version online, I think off Amazon. And it's some crazy repress where it doesn't even have the lyrics. The, the cover art is shrunken down. It's basically the only information you get is a list of the songs. It doesn't even have, you know, where it was recorded or any of that stuff. So if you're looking to buy a physical copy of this, look hard and make sure you know what you're getting into. Because this is some yeah. weird repress that I got. It's kind of hard to get original stuff by by them for some of their uh, more popular albums. Yeah, I feel like you fast. got ripped off, man. 
Syntax Creative. Look out for Syntax Creative Presents. This is not... Some weird bootleg shit, right? Yeah. I don't know what that's some, all about. Some yeah. Press stuff. yeah. Yeah, it might be some, like, <clears throat> it might be some Chinese knock shit, because that's big over there, you know? Like, I mean, bottom line, I got it. Uh, music's good, you know? I, yeah. Well, I, I'm sure it's all on here, but if you want, like, a nice copy... This yeah. Time, wonder yeah. if the artist is getting the money, really. That, this, to me, serves kind of, like, the purpose of just having... Like, I wanted to buy the CD to have a physical copy. I would have bought it. I, I have not, a couple bootlegs. You know, it's not. It's that's not the one you want. But I was able to easily just get it into my iTunes and have it on my iPod and listen to it in the car or whatever, yeah, man. I mean, so. that shit's not on you. Just gotta watch out for those crazy sellers, you know. But uh, yeah, you know, this is something where I, you know, I, you can look the lyrics up online, and it's it's an interesting approach to the subject matter. It's a great technical death metal album, and I would suggest fans of uh, death um, and and pestilence and like I said, you know, some of those earlier bands to get into this too. Again, great stuff. Justin, what do you got, man? Uh, Despise Icon, The Healing Process, my classic record for this this evening. Um, you know, I brought in Cryptopsy, uh, you know, that not-so-best be- not album that they put out. You know, I feel like I was trying to fit in and, and mess around with this record. Uh, 2005, April 5th, on my birthday, which is really nice. Century Media Records. Um, Despise Icon, man, like, they... They did a great service and a terrible disservice. You know, mm. I feel like they, they created a genre that a lot of people hate, but without them, man, we wouldn't have this, this fucking terrific blend of, of death metal and hardcore done in a, in a really fun Canadian way. And with the two vocalists to boot, you know what I mean? Yeah. You have that more ho- hardcore style vocalist and then that more guttural yeah. kind of dude yeah. and really I- lends service to both styles, man. Uh, Ahead of their time. The playing is off yeah. the charts, mm. super, super fast. Or actually, maybe right in line with the time, but for sure. Well, it's funny, like, because because uh, their first uh, record that came out in 2002, they were doing more of like an early Suffo kind of like I remember like, that, death metal kind of thing. and that's what I had associated with them uh, for the most part. And that because they were they were they weren't really so much on my radar um, in 2005. I was more doing the, the, the gutter, guttural gore grind thing, and I was like into my own thing. Yeah. Uh, but I, I associated them with with their older style more over the years. And then, um, funny thing, actually, like la- last year, the year before, maybe um, 2017, Artificial Brain was very fortunate to open up for them in Baltimore. And uh, I remember they put on a great show, the two singers, you know, they, they did their thing. And the drummer, 
Um, he had like trigger pedals. He had pedals that just, they looked like staplers. They just kind of went down. You know, you just tap on them and they go down. And they had like a kick drum in front of those, like for no reason. Like you didn't hit the, you know what I mean? They would like, like, like he was just hitting these, these, these weird tapper pedals that I never saw before, man. Well, at least you never have to tune your kick drum. Yeah, you, you just go never, right to the PA. Never break the head. Or if you break the head, who cares, right? You know? Like, <laughs> yeah, you brought your drums like a sucker. You could have just like saved all that weight, save your back. But that's super, that's super I mean, they, sick, they, man. they had, a, so they had a big trailer and everything. I don't yeah, think it was course. much to just throw a kick drum it's in the, there, you it's know? It's the show behind it, too, man. You but know? I mean, like, hell, like, Play like that, man. Play however you want. Yeah, no, I mean, and I'm not saying anything to disparage them. Obviously, if you know their sound and you're familiar with the way the drums sound, you wouldn't be surprised to hear that they had some technology going on there, some some triggers and stuff. You know, that's that they were in a way they kind of like uh, led the pack with that when they when they came out with I this think, album. Yeah, right? I think so. I think like you know this and like the the the, the bad word deathcore kind of followed you know this sort of record along with others like. Early Suicide Silence and early White Chapel, early Impending Doom, you know those those kind of bands like who uh, who when they first broke on the scene, I, feel, I in my opinion at least they they were doing something truly different, and, mm-hmm. and then uh, it, it kind of got picked up and, and and put in a machine because it was marketable. And well, this is this is something we were talking about this. I, I got a little tight before with the whole cryptopsy thing. I love Justin; he's a good guy. We hugged it out. I, I didn't mean to get upset. But a discussion we were having outside when we took a little cool-off break was uh, this this idea of deathcore and what bands are deathcore and that some of the things you just mentioned, those bands when they came out earlier. We're going to do an episode about deathcore. I think we got to do a whole day, and each of us will give our spin on deathcore. Maybe we'll get a guest because we got to get to the bottom of this deathcore thing, all right? I, I, I would love to do that episode because I I overall don't have a, a positive look at the genre deathcore, but there are certainly bands that are deathcore that I will promote till the day I'm dead. That I think are fucking fantastic, Dude. and I think this mm-hmm. is one of them. Like straight up, Despised Icon is sick. Guy, there's a, there are bands that take genuine death metal influence and genuine hardcore influence, and because that's the music they like, they write that. Yeah, they, they blend Agreed. it. Yeah. And then there are bands that take deathcore bands as influence, mm-hmm. and they, or they do as a joke, or they use it as a vehicle to be like overly perverted or overly mm-hmm. gore for no reason, you know. I, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Other than shock, and that that gives it a bad name. But I think despised icon coming out in the fucking scene, two thousand five is the healing process, man. Like this is a this is a benchmark. This is a record to look back in twenty years, and it'll still be important in my opinion. I think that's a good way to put it too. Like you know, what are your influences? Do they come from hardcore? Do they come from death metal? Or do they come from like the already like it's just a different product, and if you only have that to work from, you're in a smaller box. Well, I, I think a lot of bands, you know, it's it's a, like one of the differences for me is do you have the death metal chops? Because a, a lot of bands come out, and I think it comes from people in the hardcore scene who hear deathcore, and they think, oh, I can do that, and it's just kind of like downtuned, uh, you know, simplistic hardcore with pig squeals over it. You know what I mean? But where you have these guys, they obviously have an understanding, an appreciation. And an ability um, uh, for death metal, you know what I mean? And they they choose to add in those hardcore elements and to bring it to more of a more of that type of atmosphere, you know, more of that more of that neighborhood. And but you know, deathcore in and yeah. of itself has 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 evolved past, I guess, my you know, uh, attention span or my my paying attention to, and it's it's, it's something completely different now. Than, than what it was. <laughs> it, it, did that, it did that for me 20 years ago. <laughs> but but again, I mean, not to get away from Despised Icon in this album so much, but we got to do an episode because I have a lot of opinions and a lot of bands I want to talk about. So, you know, stay tuned. Heavy Hole, we're going to do it one day. Deathcore, we're going to figure it all out and hash it out for you, all right? Check, check out Despised Icon, though. Check out the rest of their catalog. I think, you know, they got more 
death metal as their catalog group. Mm-hmm. Um, they did. I, th- I feel like they did. Man, this band just is just chops. Definition of chops, man. Uh, Tough. Canada. Tough riffs. God damn it. Yeah. Breakdowns, yeah. Basket- basketball short death metal right Basketball here. flat brim <laughs> basketball yeah. short death metal. Oh. my turn now i get to go classic rock tom that's right classic rock so this is some classic rock you might like led zeppelin but let, get out of the way bird flesh is coming i am bab <laughs> you know bird flesh right yeah i've seen bird flesh shot uh, st vitus a year or two ago man how mad were you how mad was i so, yeah. tom wait tom are you talking about chicken with the skin on right now what Little are you bit. talking about well, I, I I enjoyed it. I don't know why. <laughs> no, no. I just I like um I I was doing research on Bird Flesh. I've known about them for a while, and I like this. I like the album Alive Autopsy, which is what I brought mm-hmm. in. But actually, I brought in the compilation of the Alive Autopsy, uh, Alive Autopsy, and Trip to the Grave, where it's the all the studio songs from Alive Autopsy, and then the EP Trip to the Grave in one because. The original Alive Autopsy from 98 was a bunch of live songs, too. So they scratched mm-hmm. those, and they were like, fuck it, let's just put on another EP. They re-released this in 2000, 2001. Oh, excuse me, 2004. And it's a lot of fun, man. Uh, Birdbath. 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 Bird it's a birdbath, huh? Bird, bird Flesh. Mm. This was released on Razorback Records. Yeah. And uh, the reason I, I guess uh, my, my gut reaction to ask you, Will, uh, how mad you were was because of the lunacy that is this band. Well, here's the thing, man. Um, no, I wasn't mad. It was a fun show. It was definitely Looney Tunes. They were, you know, they were funny guys. I think I remember like balloons and, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff. But, uh, you know, that's what they're known for. I always knew them to be. I, I remember, um, I, again, I, you know, I followed Razorback Records and I corresponded with with those people who, who ran that label back when it first started. And, and when they put out the Bird Flesh CD, I, I remember uh, getting it. And this band never had the pretenses of a serious gore grind or death metal band. They were always a wacky, out of left field kind of circus grind band. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing them live, it was everything I expected it to be. Now, when I saw Last Days of Humanity live at Maryland Death Fest, I forget the year, and they were throwing like blow up sex dolls out and they had like masks and all crazy shit going on. That doesn't suit what they're in about the the old recordings. Much respect to them and all that, but it wasn't for me. Right. It wasn't what I expected or what I wanted to get out of the experience. They're artists, they're entitled to do what they want. 
But when Birdflesh does it, it seems a little bit more in character. I feel like they're professional funny guys of the whole grind scene. In yeah, a way. something like that. I mean, they they did it. They were white. Yeah, they were wearing these weird old man masks and shit. Now that I'm thinking about yeah. it, I, I lost. I, there was a crate. It, it was like packed out. It was one of those pre-MDF shows that they have at St. Vitus, where the, when the artists are touring regionally, and it was packed out. And I got my glasses knocked off my face. And, you know, it's like St. Vitus. Now I'm, like, blinded. I can't see. So, uh, you know, I had an extra pair of glasses that I always bring with me. But uh, I turn around after they're done playing and some girl hands me my glasses back. So I, that was, like, a great little heartwarming metal moment for me, you know. It was nice very, somebody somebody looking out for me, you know. Very nice folks. Yeah, man. So, Bert, you know, the, I got nothing but good to talk about that Bird Flesh show, man. I'm, I'm not going to hate tonight. No. Don't try to make me. I'm not trying to. And the He's reason- trying to get me worked up so I get past, pissed off at Justin again. That's right, yeah. Listen, He's trying to come between us again. I have nothing no. but bad things to say about Bird Flash. Yeah, thank you. Bird, yeah, excuse me. I will call them Bird Bath. You can call them Bird Flash. You mean Turd Bath? Okay. Oh. Uh. So, we got bird flesh here, and the reason I, I kind of was so inclined to ask you that is because it seems like they always want to piss off the uh, the more staunch metalhead in us. Mm. And in a good way, because I feel like they've derived a lot of influences from crazy things, throwing in all <laughs> kinds of shit into their, into their music, not just the imagery, but they've... They found influences outside of grind and, and heavy music in general, and they pull it into their music, and it's kind of riddled throughout this album in a way. Even though this album is heavy as fuck, it kind of sounds like a Japanese schoolgirl is singing sometimes. Like, and it's cool. There's these chorusy, catchy parts, but it's grind as fuck. And these guys are having fun. They never once wanted to be serious, like Will was saying. And I, you know, it's like it's like watching Monty Python playing. Mm. Like gore grind, pointing out the absurd in in the world in which they live. I like I like it the way you put that the Monty Python of gore grind because uh, again talking about the the Polo episode where we had Polo Paguntalan on he talked a lot about the Czech Republic scene. These guys are from the Czech Republic, are they not? Um, they are actually from Sweden. From Sweden, He's okay. A Sweden guy. I stand corrected. Uh, everything I was about to say is off, but um, maybe the reason I, I made that false connection in my mind because their irreverent sense of humor. That they uh, even, you know, use past the, the lyrics and the art, but into the songwriting and the sound itself reminded me of some of Czech, Czech Republic bands that we were talking about that have a similar vibe where they just, they're not taking it too seriously. And some of the screaming is a little like falsetto and there's, you know, it's, it's, there's a little funny aspect to it. So they remind me, uh, they're not, they're not from the Czech Republic, but. Uh, no, one, but you're right. Though. Yeah, you're totally right. They fit mm-hmm. in with that like scene that we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, a lot of those bands like, like Hermaphrodite and, um. Yeah, Pigsty almost. Yeah, like, Pigsty. You know? Yeah, you know, there's there's a similar vibe. You know, it's it's something that was going on in the scene. I think back then, and maybe it was kind of a rejection of where death metal was headed with the the death core and tech death and things being a little serious. You know, I think there was always an undercurrent, or at least a part of the scene, a fraction of the grindcore scene that rejected death metal. You know, that that might have been more prevalent. People might not know this, but in the '90s, when Regurgitate first formed from the ashes of death metal band Crematory. Regurgitate's first ads that they circulated in the underground male scene were like they said like fuck death metal only for grindcore you know no metal posers allowed or some shit like and Regurgitate also has a pretty funny sense of humor even though it's mm-hmm. like real it's way darker they use a lot more gore imagery oh, yeah. than yeah. than Birdflesh does but uh yeah like you're saying it's this is an this is an old school funny band yeah and they do yeah. it well you know they yeah. they really do like um watch any of their um, obscene upstream videos mm-hmm. on on YouTube, and you're watching three dudes up on stage having a great time, 
just playing playing like some of the some heavy fucking blast beat shit. And what's cool is also the drummer is the is the lead vocalist too. So you got these they got a guitar bass player up front wearing their weird ass granny masks and shit. <laughs> and the, uh, the the drummer's in back wearing this this kind of kind of racist but also hilarious Japanese dude mask. And he's just screamed into a microphone while doing these great blast beats. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's supposed to be a, an Asian person. Yeah, it's got like the <laughs> it's got the um, the Japanese flag on it, like it's like the you know the red sun rising. Yo, kamikaze. Uh, but also, I read a couple of interviews while doing some research for this, and um, I'm totally blanking on the guy's name again. I'm blanking again. I'm just the worst. But we'll do uh, a funny but, band no, episode he, and come back to it. Well, he's having. Uh, he's having fun. He talks about how he actually loves Japan a lot, and he's he's not trying to make fun of anyone. Yeah, um, they're not trying to be offensive outside of any other band trying to be offensive. This is this is no less offensive than Dying Fetus in in, in respects to even the name or anything like that. These guys are just really strange and eccentric. Um, I guess we we, we could chalk it up to that. Oh yeah, wild, well, their wild, interviews are funny yeah. too. I yeah. come through through a bunch of them. They um, they were insistent that they had no idea what the fuck they were doing for the first eight years. They were a band. They started in '92. This band, believable. So, wow, yeah. that's that's wild. Yeah. yeah, so they've been around a while. It's been over over 25 years or so of these guys playing sweet ass grind <laughs> and throwing fucking rubber chickens around <laughs> and and pulling an audience. You know, great. So uh, yeah, please check out some Bird Flesh, this 2004 compilation of a live autopsy and trip to the grave on Razorback Records. Thank you for listening to the Heavy Hole podcast. Any of you who are angry, perhaps, about things that have been said will write us very public hate mail. Contact us at the legal department here, at the heavy, the, the legal section of the Heavy Hole. Yeah. Any, Send any, it to trash at theheavyholepod.com. That's right. Any hate mail that you try to send us in confidence will go online because we we cherish it. Full disclosure. In, no. all, in all seriousness... Um, Anybody, whatever opinions you got about the albums we talked about tonight, if you have uh, other albums that you think should have been included uh, in, in this in this batch, uh, you know, let us know. Uh, let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter or uh, Facebook or Instagram. Uh, you know, it's 2019. You can look all that stuff up, right? Yeah, send it all over, man. Yeah, you got you, know. the, you got the Google. You got the fingers. What's our Instagram handle again? At Heavy Hole Pod. All right, Heavy Hole Pod. So that's the Instagram. That's the same thing for the Twitter and Will. What's our Facebook? Uh, Heavy Hole Podcast. There we go. Yeah. So just find us. Internet will do you right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So so uh, in closing, I just want to say um, all great respectable bands. Mm-hmm. Um, Second that. Yeah, you know, and we just had a lot of fun talking about these albums. Um, love Justin. Not going to let the air out of his tires, as was implied. 
Love Will, love yeah. Travis now. I love Travis now. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. good turn around. Yeah. So after all this, when we first started, I was a little concerned about you and Travis. It sounded yeah. sounded like something was going on. Now we're you know we got it out of our system. We yeah. vented a little bit. Yeah. We talked about albums. Something was going metal. on. Now it's now we resolved. It. Listening to metal is going to help you resolve conflict with your friends. It will save your friendships for right. sure. So speaking of friendship, uh, you know you guys are my friends, and I hope we're still friends next week when we record the next episode. Heavy whole podcast. Take it easy, big guy. See you later. Thank you, Shane.